Patrick and Tom thought they had escaped the hell of Amityville, but another franchise has gotten its hooks into them. The Amityville Podcast goes to hell. Hello, welcome back to the Amityville Podcast. I'm Pat. And I am Tom. And this week we're watching Hellraiser 7, also known as... Hellraiser deader because it's more dead than other Hellraiser films in the tradition of Die Harder. Oh, um, I love I love that that was like in the trailer. This like Die Hard Two, Die Harder, and the world instantly hated that so much they mm-hmm. had to say it's just Die Hard Two. Okay, let's just because there have been other sequels that have tried to like out out name itself on the original, mm. but. It never works. Well, I, I think the Star Treks were kind of had a good thing going. I liked the like Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Beyond, because mm-hmm. like Trek as a verb, right? Like you're actually you see the journey on paper in yeah. just the titles. Um, even like Undiscovered Country or you know the Final Frontier, like we're going places. Well, yeah, those had colons yeah. though. They did, but even like the Voyage Home is saying Star Trek. Where to? Oh, well, yeah, but I mean. It's it's, di- it's different from well with a colon it's it's just a subtitle it is it is I'm just saying it was it was it was a good usage along the lines of what you were saying uh, kind of like Steven Seagal had that period of his career most of it um, where it was an adjectival phrase yeah. Steven Seagal is oh yeah, yeah I love that Mark for death he is hard, above the law he hard is hard to kill he is hard to kill he is under siege. Uh, uh, he is on deadly ground. Oh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. Good. Um, Steven Seagal is exit wounds didn't work, but that was more DMX's no. movie anyway. So Steven Seagal is uh, like a good day. No, wait, what's out it? for justice? Out for a kill. Steven Seagal is out for a kill. Out for a kill. Okay. That one works. <laughs> oh, Seagal. Uh, Steven Seagal is ordering a pizza. Like you can yes. start to move Steven Seagal <laughs> into less interesting things. Well, he did that himself. Aww, but yeah. <laughs> Steven Seagal is stepping into a lake by accident because he wasn't there for blocking. Steven Seagal is missing what, what is supposed to be his hair and is now just dyeing his mm. face. Steven Seagal is Jim Belushi. And if you don't believe me, look up a picture of both of them separately. It's a party game. You look up a picture of Steven Seagal, modern. Have somebody else look up a picture of Jim Belushi, modern, then show them to each other on the count of three. Hilarity ensues. That's a good. That's a good game. That's that sounds fun. Yeah, but that's not what we're doing tonight. No. This is this is what like I was reading up on the movie. This is where the studio really started giving up because like at one point this started out the guy who wrote Hell Seeker, the previous installment, <laughs> wanted to write. A direct sequel to Hellseeker, which, don't get me wrong, my knee-jerk reaction to was absolutely God in heaven, why? But it was going to focus on Kirsty and Pinhead and being the final confrontation between the two. Gotcha. The everything that we were thinking we were getting out of six, but didn't. Exactly. So it was like the... Five good minutes of Hellseeker. Let's be, make a sequel to that, as opposed to, what, are we going to bring Dean Winters back? Are you kidding me with this? Or are we going to find out more about the other, about the, uh, the was it Cubic 
uh, accounting or whatever the place was called. Something like that. It Utter was, ridiculousness. Yeah. But uh, when the, the either the draft or the treatment was turned in, they were like, this is too much money, which is to say, this is any money that we would want to spend. <laughs> so they took a spec script written by the guy that did 13 Ghosts. Okay. And uh, t- which was just deader which was the basic premise of the movie, the same same premise of the movie, which we'll get into later. Uh, But now instead of just uh, having nondescript demonic forces, we'll just make it pinhead and everybody. Yeah. And, you know, shoehorn in some other connections that don't really make sense if you follow the movies at all. Okay. It's going to be fun. Yay. It's uh, filmed. uh, This is the second of three Rick Boda uh, Hellraiser movies. Uh, this was filmed simultaneously with uh, the number eight Hell World in Romania, mm-hmm. and apparently the American crew and the Romanian crew had trouble talking to each other because ne- neither spoke the other one's language. And were there conflicts? Do you think, or was it just more like separate camps? Like, yeah. just kind of... I would assume. I, yeah. I, I don't... I, like, don't get me wrong. I, I assume everybody was trying their hardest, but I, I have trouble imagining people really, you know, getting stressed out about making Hellraiser 7 and 8. Yeah. Except I, for Gary Tunnicliffe. Gary Tunnicliffe probably got really freaked out about all the things. Because he, he is our continuing makeup artist on the latter half of these films and may even direct one in what? the future. We like Gary Tunnicliffe. <laughs> actually, in um, on the Hell World uh, bonus features, there's actually like a 15-minute behind-the-scenes thing, which is kind of adorable. Uh, Rick Bota is just like, whenever I got stuck or confused about something, I would just ask Gary. Okay. Or, or no, the act. I think it's one of the actresses would just say, yeah. like, it's like, Gary, what is going on with this? And it's like, oh, well, it's because Hellraiser would do this, this, and this, and this, because he's the actual fan on set. Right. Not the guy who came in as a jobber to knock out some movies in Romania, which is why sometimes the crew, some, I mean, the crew should always do the crew's jobs. It's, they're mm-hmm. not the creative directors of any given project. Sure. But um, I know a lot of movies generally relocate to. Romania for tax breaks. As that, was this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Uwe Boll was a huge part of his career. He would film in Romania or whatever country he could get the best tax breaks. <laughs> he would buy the rights to a video game movie cheap. Mm-hmm. And then he would literally scan the trades to find out what big budget productions had fallen by the wayside <laughs> or had just gone into turnaround for whatever reason. And then basically call the cast and say, hey, I just saw your movie has been put on hold for six weeks. Would you be willing to, in the meantime, fly to Romania for three weeks, film a part for dirt cheap? That way you're making some money for the and you're not just wasting time. Yeah. And that's how he got all the names that he got for a lot of his stuff over the years, like in The Name of the King. I was just about to say, like, what movie do you think was stalled out that had Burt Reynolds, Ray Liotta, Jason Statham, and Matthew Lillard? It's probably four different movies. I know, but I want to imagine it's like one-to-one. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was his entire thing, was just find people who are right now desperate for a quick turnaround buck. Mm Mm-hmm. And offer them like, oh, it's a vacation in Europe. 
or blah blah. Come to scenic Romania. Yeah. We promise you will have you will leave country with all parts that you entered country with. Yeah. If any critics show up to upset you, I will fight them personally mm. on film. Yes, he would. Yes, yes he, he would. would. And yes, he would. Oh, Uva Bowl. Yeah. We're not doing the Uva Bowl movies. No, we are not. I'm just... Oh, okay. we are not. I'm just, I'm just making sure we're not. Mm-hmm. We are not doing that. There has been some discussion at Mondo about showing Alone in the Dark. Never seen that one. Like, that's Christian, the first one. That Christian, Christian Slater, Slater yeah. Tara Reid. Tara Reid plays a scientist. Sure, sure. Um, in that she pronounces all of the letters in the words. Uh, at one point, she's reading off a list of countries very clearly from a clipboard or on the monitor. Hey, that's how Brando did it. True. <laughs> but um, usually, they would try and find ways to hide the obvious reading of it. Uh, but no, she's literally just reading off these countries that these artifacts have been found in, including Newfoundland. Very specifically pronounced and left in past the editors, past everybody that made it mm. to the final movie. Mm. Um, it's not good. This is my shock face. Yeah. And this is that's one of the better moments of the movie. Um, yeah, we don't have to do a podcast on this one, no. especially because it would involve watching it again, and I've already got enough heat built in. Well, it's, it's as Triumph the Insult comic dog, so I'll currently put it one time. It would be like pooping on poop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, Kari Wurr is our in, is our main char- main actor mm-hmm. in this film. She plays a journalist. And uh, I remember Kari Wurr first from MTV's Remote Control. As does Wikipedia. Uh, I think the first thing I ever... <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's like the opening line of her Wikipedia bio. Really? Yeah, MTV's remote control. Oh, uh, gotcha. I honestly have a hard time placing her in much else. The only... Like, the only thing... Sliders. I, you know, I think I dropped off a... Sl- See, I remember... I watched the first season of Sliders and then dropped off, so, like, she replaced the girl. Yeah. The original girl. Yeah, she was in the later seasons, yeah. and I was only hit and miss on watching it by then. Yeah. I think John Rice davies had already dropped out by then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, was it Jerry O'Connell? He got re- he he left, and then his brother took over. Oh God, that's right. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> it was his twin brother, though. So like, it's it twin. No, I, it wasn't a twin brother. I thought no. they were twin brothers. No, no, no they they they. If they are twins, they're fraternal twins. <laughs> right. I just for some reason I remembered it that way. But anyway, mm, anyway. yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I think the first thing I ever really noticed her in was Eight-Legged Freaks. Oh, that's right. She's the mom slash sheriff. And I thought yeah. she does a good job in that. Yeah. Uh, and I just like Eight-Legged Freaks. Oh, that's it's, a it's, fun, it's, fun movie. It's the absolute perfect film. Yeah. Like, that's before everybody thought Scarlett Johansson would be a star. Yeah, that was, it was always funny. It's like, oh, wait, is that the girl from, uh... The man who wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, and she was in she's Ghost World, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. But uh, yeah, she was in that as like a whole slew of character actors. And mm-hmm. it's just fun. It, like, it's not trying to do anything. It is not. It's just gremlins yeah. with giant spiders. It's it's the tremor side of arachnophobia. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, all of these are words for movies that y'all at home love, so watch them. Yeah. If you haven't. And then the only other thing I ever really watched her, well, I've seen Anaconda, but, you know, Anaconda, the, the star of Anaconda is John Voight, and that's um, And specifically being vomited up by a snake. I mean, it, it, that's the pay, that's the climax of the film, but the whole movie is just the journey of John Voight's accent. But uh, I, 
like uh, there's this li- li- weird little Stuart Gordon movie called King of the Ants, and she she plays like the female lead of that, and she's pretty good in that. Okay, it's weird. I have not seen that one. No, I, I think we've mentioned it once once on here, just in talking about Stuart Gordon. But, yeah, yeah it's he, this weird there's gaps friend. in his collection that I need to take care of. It's like in the early aughts, and it's not really a horror movie. It's more like like a gritty crime thingy that has like some gross out makeup effects here and there. Okay, yeah. Well, he's never going to get that far away from those. No, no, no. But it does have Daniel Baldwin, George Went, and uh, Ron Livingston and Vernon Wells. Interesting. That, that Vernon Wells. All right. <laughs> Is George Went eating beans? Would you uh, watch no, he's being a heavy. Like uh, like an actual... I'm, like I'm sorry. A bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just... The Animaniacs bit. Uh, yeah. Would you watch a movie with beans? Would you watch a movie with George Went? Would you watch a movie with George Went eating beans? I don't think he does. He gets really drunk in the movie. I think everybody gets drunk in the movie. Well, George Went has done that on some films in general, yeah, like yeah. Santa Buddies. Uh, Santa Buddies. It's part of the Air Bud I was expanded universe. Oh. And one year, a couple friends for Bad Movie Christmas, we were digging through the bags, and that was one we pulled out. And it featured George Went as Santa Claus. And sure. It seemed like he shot his part in a day, and it seems like he was – he may have shown up with an Irish coffee mm. and left the end of the day with an Irish one goodbye. to set him for the road. But, yeah, he like the entire movie, he seems just drunk and looking at tennis balls. I mean – It's um, – I, I, I'd rather him be drunk. Well, he shouldn't have to be sober and looking at tennis balls. That is true. That is true. But it's like, for somebody who's a very solid actor, television, stage, film, all um, this was definitely a day off. (laughs) And I guess it was in part to maybe prepare children for the reality of a semi-drunk mall Santa. It's like that's, oh, that, that's just how Santa talks. It's like George Went is on, uh, was being interviewed about it, and he said, "Yeah, my Uva Bowl movie stalled out, and so they had me for a day at this at this Santa Buddies." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, this one, Hellraiser Debtor. It's about a cult that has connections to Hellraiser. And that's about it. Well, I'm intrigued. I Let's know. jump into the movie. I'm sorry. But <laughs> the movie, like, I promise, every, like, as ba- as boring as this one's going to be, the next one is going to be hilarious and amazing. Yay! It is. Hell, I will go die on the Hell World Hill. Which is a thing I don't like to, to, to cop to, but I will. No, or to try and say five times fast. Oh, Hell World Hill, Hell World Hill, Hell World Hill, Hell World Hill. That's pretty. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll see you in a minute. We've seen worse. Hellraisers. We have. Yeah. I, I kind of dug this one. And, um, I remember it being the weakest, but like, like this is definitely better than Hellseeker. Yes. I'm going to hold my opinion till the end because I'm not sure where I fall yet. I feel like we got to discuss it out. <laughs> Fair enough. I have problems. Oh, there are problems. <laughs> I'm not going to say there are problems. Yes. Like, this title. That's like, we had no... Other thing we could come up with to call these cult members and everything, debtors. 
I mean, that was in the original script, so I guess that was their way of respecting the original screenplay that may or may not have been a mess before they tried to get all the Hellworld or the Hellraiser, yeah. you know, Pinheady, Cenobite stuff in. Yeah. I don't know what kind of a mess we were starting with. That's completely fair. But yeah. Debtor. I like, they do make the debtor joke that I made, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm one step ahead of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the first scenes, oh, not like debtor prison or whatnot, not like somebody who owes you money. Yeah, no, no, no. no yeah. No. Except that it ultimately is about what you owe. No. Oh, morality tale. I hate everything. So, Kari Wurr stars as intrepid Gonzo reporter Amy Klein in her leather jacket, her pigtails, and her never-ending supply of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. She, it's, go ahead. It's it's firmly established at the beginning, just so if you ever you, you happen to catch a character who's smoking, it's probably her. Yeah. Uh, the first scene that she's in uh, with her reporter boss. Charles. Charles. Played by Craig T. Nelson slash Julian Sands. Yeah. If they were Brundlefly. They were Brundlefly. This is that guy. Yeah. They were um, Nelson Sand. Sam Nelson. It's a double act. Craig T. Julian. Craig T. Julian. I feel like we've just come up with a couple of garbage pail kids that got left on the shelf. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. I mean, the later uh, the later series, I mean, we're just scraping. Yeah. Although, some honestly, of some of the modern ones, once they weren't doing, like, full series and just doing one, like, little mini batches on a theme, yeah. those were fun. Fair enough. But uh, she looks, while she's in his office, at this old photo of the two of them together, mm-hmm. and she literally has the exact same pigtails in that photo as she's wearing in the scene, just so you're not confused. Yes, this is her looking at herself from years ago. This is her haircut. Mm-hmm. For a long time, apparently, not just this picture was taken before the scene and they've only known each other four hours, maybe? They didn't really have Photoshop back in 2005. But they had the ability to remove your hairbands. That's fair. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a giant change. Uh, wigs... Fun fact, have existed for centuries. That is a good point. That's a good point. This movie may not be good. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we are introduced to her uh, finishing up her last uh, uh, info gathering session in a crack house for her story, My Week as a Crack Whore, or something like that, for the London Underground, an independent newspaper mm-hmm. run by Charles. Uh, yeah. Which kind of kills the joke from A Fish Called Wanda. What's that? Ken is so stupid. He thinks the London Underground is a political movement. Uh, Otto. Otto is so stupid. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, it's coming. Come Wow. Can't believe I flipped that. More caffeine. More caffeine. So. Charles, whose office does have a couple or pieces of original Clive Barker art, uh, shows Car- uh, Amy a video that is going to be her next story about the cult of debtors, where she watches a video of a woman uh, purport- uh, purportedly uh, shooting herself in the head and then being resurrected by the mysterious cult leader known only as Winter. Played by Paul Rees of uh, Chaplin fame. He, he does a lot of TV. He was in season one of uh, Luther. 
mm-hmm. as one of the uh, the monsters of the week. He was. Yeah. Have you ever, do you ever watch the Luther show? The Idris Elba show. Oh God. Yeah. Um. I don't remember from it. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember the one episode where the guy like knocks on a woman's door, introduces himself, and then when she, the minute she lets him in, just sticks his tongue at her and does like two blue creepo faces, and then you know brings brutally murders her. That's this guy. Gotcha. Um, and so he uh, Charles sends her off to Bucharest, Romania. Well, which is- he sends her off to Bucharest, and she recognizes Romania and he says good work good work and then after she when we have our establishing shot of it they which is a minute after that little bit of dialogue it says Bucharest Romania thank you Rick yeah reminded me again uh, Team America Cairo that's in Egypt yes it sure is Dan Rick what was the the main guy in Team America I don't remember Top Gun actor, Maverick actor. Uh, but uh, also, uh, we skipped over, Gary Tunnicliffe actually has an on-screen cameo as the bleach-haired reporter mm-hmm. in the London Underground, which I was, even for me, I was pleasantly surprised that I caught that. Yeah. Because he just looks like a goon. But he has a very, he has a very specific voice, which is kind of fun. But um, uh we see, like, Amy gets to Buc- Bucharest and, like, goes right to work. She tracks yeah. down the apartment of the girl that seemingly killed herself. And I was kind of impressed with the sequence of her uh, investigating the uh, the dead girl's apartment because well, it's, like, five she get- minutes. Let me she finish this one thing. It's five minutes of her not talking. She's just reacting and investigating and looking for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you were going to say um, she bribed her way in for mm. the five minutes with American money. American money spends. American money from a journalist for a British paper in Bucharest just seemed like a bit of an exchange loop. Yeah. It's, it didn't seem like the most efficient way to go about it. Well, they're not going to accept British pounds in Romania. Uh, what was the euro we, and all? Yeah, or, it's the euro at that point. It... It was just an interesting look. Um, And she gets into this apartment, and as she's looking, she, like, opens the door and starts gagging. Uh And the first thing she looks for, uh, or the the first thing she opens is the refrigerator. Yep. If you've ever walked into any place that stinks like this place is supposedly stinking... You don't open the refrigerator you ever if you can avoid it. Yeah. And this is even if you don't know the comic book term of fridging somebody. Oh, why? We didn't have to talk about that tonight. I mean, but it's if you're investigating a murder scene and you have to know where bodies are, I guess you check the fridge, but not the first place you look. No, it was weird. It's like it, it felt more like a weird version of the movie thing where people always just like light the kitchen by the refrigerator light for some reason, which yeah. God help me, I do as well, if only to fulfill well, the cliche. It's just laziness for me. I just, I don't, if I turn the light on, I'll start waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah, that, yes. That's no good. But uh, in looking around for everything, uh, Amy does come across Marla's dead body or what appears to be Marla's dead body. She's perch. she's sitting on the edge of her tub and has a rope tied around her neck to strangle herself, one one assumes. Yep. And uh, behind her is, like, another manila envelope 
like the uh, the one that uh, Charles received the video uh, that sent Amy on the quest. But also in her hand is a certain puzzle box that we have seen before and causes nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. The Rubik's Cube. The Ru- Rubik's Cube. Also, you know, it's the, it's, it's the Hellraiser box, people. Do we have? I don't understand. You, you guys never meet us halfway anymore. You know, we, we, we're, we're trying to be subtle about it, and, and you're just staring at us. You're not contributing anything. It's rude to ask people to meet us halfway when they're probably already driving somewhere while they're listening. I'm, we're on the way, probably. We're local. Somewhere. But anyway. Uh, Amy immediately leaves the, uh, uh, grabs the box, grabs the manila, uh, the manila envelope, which has another tape, uh-huh. and, uh, and punches uh, out the guy because he was being creepy. Yeah. Uh, also finds a note that says, help us. That's on the envelope. I thought there was one on the letter. No, uh, it, 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 that, that, that is on the envelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have still mm-hmm. been eating my pizza at that point. No, okay. no, no. You caught it. It's right. just, yeah. I don't yeah. even know why I'm quibbling because it right. is a note on the envelope. Yeah, but it definitely, like, it, it's a request for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if she wasn't on the case before, now she is. Amy Klein is on the case. She is back in her, back in her hotel room drinking beef eater gin and smoking uncharacteristically. <laughs> She smokes a lot. A I, lot. I, I assume like pretty much her, constantly. Yeah, I, I. It's always fun, like when you see in movies where people are smoking, and you have to assume the actor is also a smoker, and it's just one of those. Hey, bonus! Yeah, smoking every scene. It's like, oh wait, how much are cigarettes here in Bucharest, Romania? Yeah, yeah. And then they just yeah, like oh, if it's a, if it's fifty cents a pack, I am smoking a little shit out of this roll. This is like I'm spending half my per diem on cigarettes. Yeah, this, this and is the most greatest of the, movie of my life. Most of the cast and crew is probably smoking to get you that spooky filter without needing a fog machine. Ooh, the movie. This movie did does look good. It does like, look good, but like, it had it, it had ambient smoke to yeah. honestly help with a lot of the forced perspective and uh, depth of fields and whatnots. No, I was very, if only in contrast to Hellseeker, which had the same director, but different cinematographer. Right. This is just night and day in terms of visibility and uh, appropriate usage of the filters throughout mm-hmm. the film. And competent usage of them, too, because there's a time and a place version mm-hmm. problems with the last one. But also just knowing that the filter itself, you don't just dump it on. It's not. It's like when people want reverb at a karaoke night but don't know what reverb is. They just know that they're supposed to ask for it. Oh, no. And so they just want super echo noise, and then they hear it, and they're like, no, 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 I want reverb. Dude. Anyway. Mm. The last one, it was just dumped a filter onto the footage as it was. Oh, that looks blue and nighttimey. Whereas this one, they actually color corrected the movie and then applied appropriate filters in the appropriate amounts. Yeah, no. It looked good. It yeah. was a good-looking movie. It, it, um, it did look good, uh, and also like they were also, and they weren't shying away from them because uh, behind the scenes they were told to kind of make this look like a J horror movie because they were very popular at the time. Yeah, this is uh, this came out in two thousand five, so that was yeah, so you're great. hitting a lot of your Ringu and Juan, yeah. Cairo, uh, One Miss Water, Call, I think Dark Water, yeah, 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 yeah. so. She brings the, uh, the tape and the box back to her hotel room. On the tape is Marla, post-resurrection, uh, trying to explain in a uh, Romanian voice, which sounds remarkably just English, uh, both of which 
are neat are, are are not you know the stereotypical uh new england accent to explain that sometimes dead is better because everybody seems to be coming back but then they're coming back wrong yeah because I think the the long and the short of it is you cut you you're undead you you're you're animated but you ain't living no more and yeah. so you're just kind of decaying yeah the, the clock has started ticking but just slower than for others yes because apparently when things are dark enough dead is not necessarily real yeah it it gets a little weird about yeah. the rules because as we'll see in a sec uh, but before we get there. Uh, she of course opens the box, mm-hmm. and we get a great little sequence of the chains coming out of the box and grabbing onto her head and really trying to get her head first into the box and her fighting mm. it tooth and nail. And then Hit Hit shows up. <laughs> it should have been a scary sequence, but it was more like it's like you've taken it like when Ash is getting he says the uh, he tries to grab the book mm-hmm. and he gets uh, starts getting sucked into the por- the, vor- the vortex some of that it was, it was a little bit that, like that but like not with as much cartoony stretching in mm-hmm. the face more like just the chains are trying to yank her head into the box but the it won't fit and it's like yeah. the chains and the movie forgot there's no magical reality to it where it would just rip her skin in or whatever it's literally just bonk yeah. Bonk, bonk. It was funny. It was funny. And then Pinhead appears out of nowhere and says, with no trace of irony, don't think for a second you're not in danger. As she has chooks in her head, pulling her into the void. Yeah. Or trying to pull her into a box and just giving her a banging headache. Yeah. Don't think that you're not in danger. Oh, oh fuck. God, really? It was not. Thank you. Ow. And then he disappeared. Then everything disappears as if nothing happened. But did it? The box eh. is still there. Eh, doesn't matter. Yeah. So so she goes looking for this other underground uh, in Romania. Yeah, and she yeah, goes she for the subway up. stop. This Marla directs her to it on right. the video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she gets there and there's Marla in I think it's Marla in the rain slicker. I don't think so. I but think it's just a person. Just a person. But it's somebody in a uh, yellowish, yeah. uh, yellow with a hint of green, or it just might have been all the blue filtering. Mm. Uh, but we all float down here, kind of Georgie. Uh, a little bit. Slicker. And she's got a pool of blood underneath her that nobody seems to care about. Yeah. I don't know how the subway is there. It's, you know, you yeah. never know. There's also a very. Uh, so... She gets onto the subway car that appears, there appears to be like two cars of a worth of a subway that is perpetually uh, the rave from Blade 2. I can see that. Where it's I, just like yeah. everybody is just kind of dancing around, having sex, getting tattooed, doing like weird drugs and little mm. S&M shits. And honestly, it was refreshing. We're bringing sexy back to Hellraiser. Hey. It's been like... What? There was some sexy times in number three. Four had a little bit with the with Val- with Valentina, yeah. but not really. It's drifted away from it. It drifted away from it. Four, four, yeah. four, like five had Joe and his prostitute, but no. And then, uh, and well, the Cenobites being weird. Okay. Maybe it hasn't. It hasn't been an engaging sexy time. So yeah. And the, like this, this whole subway car party 
uh, which I had called the Midnight Meat Train just because Clyde Parker. Sure. Um, it has the look of a lived-in punk house, but like the fourth batch of residents and mm. on a rotating lease. So like shit's been left behind plenty. There's no lack of furniture or things to hang on the walls or whatever. It's not like your bare bones fresh punk house. Yeah. This is like when everybody decides to move out, you're just gonna have to burn the whole thing down. Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this the, this place is done. And uh, she meets up with Joey, played by Mark Warren, who is a fixture in British television and film. He was in a uh, well, he's Albert Blythe in Band of Brothers, but that's you know he's an English actor in Band of Brothers. That narrows it down. But he was also he's the blonde haired guy in a uh, hustle, the TV show Hustle. That got imported to America for a while with you know that thing with Robert Vaughn that was on AMC okay. for a while. Yeah, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. So. He, he's one of the jerks in uh, Wanted, one of the trainer guys. Okay, uh, I think he's the one that was, was actually punching James McAvoy in the face. But uh, I think that was mainly for James McAvoy's accent. He was just kind of making fun of him for it and stuff. But he's also in that really great episode of Doctor Who. In uh, season two, where it's all about it's the the Linda people. It's all the 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 people that are that have had run-ins with Doctor Who on Earth, but don't understand who he is and everything. And so, but halfway through it, like him and Moaning Myrtle get tired of even looking for him, so they just become an ELO club. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had better go back and rewatch some of those old ones. Tenet or the the Tenet stuff. Yeah, the Tenet stuff holds up. Tenet was my favorite. Overall run, uh, but God, I loved some of those Eccleston episodes. Well, Eccleston is just, if only because we only got the one season, it feels like there's always, you know, yeah. there could have been more and better. Empty Child Doctor Dances. Yeah. Child, that two-parter. That's so good. Anyway, but anyway, so he gives, was there anything learned here? Or um, it felt like it was just nonsense. She was getting hints that there is a bigger mystery and these are people you're going to need to know, but we're yeah. not telling you exactly what or why yet. Yeah. Uh, but he, through the entire movie all the way up to the end, he talks in those riddles that aren't so much riddles as just completely useless, like mm. horoscope, fortune cookie, um, platitudes. Yeah, this is so, like he was really, really high started the sentence with a really good idea and then mm-hmm. forgot what it was halfway through it, but it's still talking. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to tease you. I know, you know, I know what I got you for Christmas. It's a gift that you might like. like that's, that's not a hint. That's not a clue. That's not anything that's going to help. That's the kind of way he talks about all this, but just in scary version. Yes. Well, because he has all of his hair is done up in little braids. They're yeah. little like Sputnik sort of yeah. extension things. Yeah. Actually, it's most of the villains talk like that through this movie. Yeah. It's There's possible the script wasn't great. I'm, you know, I'm waking up to this. <laughs> Speaking of waking up. Um... Amy wakes up. Wait, we we were skipping. I, I was. I had a segue. I figured we're not I'm skipping to the end. No, she woke up right after the meat train. No. Well, we we skipped the the part where she sees winter in the subway station. Oh right. That's how we get to her waking up. Or we she doesn't wake up. It just cuts to so she comes out of the train and she sees winter, the guy from the video, our cult leader. Uh. 
he appears to jump in front of an oncoming train, which is disturbing. So she screams, shuts down the whole subway station. The police and everywhere are like, they ain't no dead body here. But, you know, Romanian. And um, then she sees him again uh, while they're still kind of just, you know, trying to investigate. And he appears to get onto another uh, subway train. She yells and screams and gets arrested. That's when then it cuts to her in the police station and Charles bailing her out. Oh, right, right. And he came from London to bail her out with a line that says, good to have a, it's a good thing you have a boss like me to save that beautiful ass of yours. Yep. It's like, oh, cool. It is great to have a sexually harassing boss. Well, yeah. That is, that is keen. Yeah. It's one of those, look, yes, we used to hook up. You can stop making in-jokes about it at any point, mm. you know, in the 10 years since we dated. Yeah. I do understand you're loyal, but I still want to keep you at a distance because you're gross about it all. He's really gross about it the whole time. But anyway. Uh, so then she goes investigating more and she or she ends up at, like, the industrial park mm. where I, I got to believe Joey... Pointed her in that she direction. Got, yeah, she got told to go to this place and look for a thing. And she had there was a key in with a video. Yeah. And she gets there, she rattles at the gate, and then she looks at the padlock, and there's a red dab of paint on the paint on the uh, padlock. And then she looks back at the key that when it was first shown, there was a red dab of paint. Mm-hmm. And then we play Blue's Clues for a minute while we, the audience, are yelling at the screen, no, the key goes with the lock, the key, because she, she she's real slow. It's not, she's not slow. The movie thinks we're slow because then, like, as she pulls out the key with the red dot, it literally, the movie literally flashes back to five minutes prior uh-huh. where she found the key uh, with the tape. And it's like, yeah, Rick, we know. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. And so she goes downstairs and sees or sees and or interacts with an ever escalating series of red flags. Number one, it is it is dark and nobody seems to be there. Mm-hmm. Number two, there appears to be a free floating puddle of shit. Uh huh. There is a dog chewing on fresh meat from someone or something that she doesn't even react to really she sees it and then just kind of moves on i'm sorry if i'm seeing a dog in an abandoned building eating mysterious meat i would i would get away (laughs) yeah i I would get away from that i uh the note i wrote at that moment is roll intelligence nah oh like i i i kind of like amy throughout this whole film but yeah it's you're not wrong. Yeah, after seeing the D&D movie and also just years of gaming and, and writing, like, you have to make sure your characters aren't completely stupid. And if you put something in the movie next to the character, take two seconds to think, what would they real? What would a person do in this situation? Yeah. But we do need a certain level of stupidity to keep the story, go- any story going. Especially any oh. horror movie going. If people don't make dumb decisions, you know, they don't. People can make wrong decisions, but when they make blatantly stupid ones, that's Insane. where it comes apart. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So, uh, leaving the dog, 
she starts going down a hallway that is lit only by her by her lighter and it keeps getting increasingly narrow like to the point where Kari were who is maybe 90 pounds soaking wet and in this scene she's she's pretty felt yeah and also uh, it's damp in that basement like you know I'm just saying the air was getting matted and all. Ah, fair I was trying to say, like, literally, this is at, at her heaviest fair. soaking wet. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, uh, she's getting progressively cramped, stuck in this hallway, but keeps, like, trying to get through it, which is like, man, sometimes being a fat guy is kind of like having cat whiskers, where it's just like, oh, I don't fit here. Maybe I shouldn't go here yeah. because I won't be able to get out. Mm-hmm. And we do get a legitimately good jump scare here where, like, the lighter goes out for a second. She relights it. And then the wall that her face is just about pressed up against is covered in crawling insects. Yep. It was a good gag. It was a good gag. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a figure appears behind her in this narrow hallway, hooded with the butcher knife that mm. she had taken the time to really notice in Marla's apartment and may come up later. Mm-hmm. This figure is trying to swing and stab at her, but is also hindered by the narrowness of the yeah. wall space, um, which is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Cause in a dream, I feel like the figure would have more agency, but in a production yeah. difficulty, no, Anyway, the figure stabs her in the arm, and then it is a dream, and she's just in a room. Uh, Still in the same kind of location, but in a room where, you know, you can actually move. Right. The room is opened up, like if some feng shui had been, you know, Mm -hmm. implemented. Yeah. So she is beckoned by a member of the debtor cult. I'm not calling them one of the debtors, because debtor is a stupid word to begin with uh, in terms of, like, the name of a a type of person. We'll call it the cult. The cult. One of the cult members beckons her on, and she she gets led into the room where the video was shot, where Marla had killed herself and was subsequently resurrected. And there's all sorts of... Oh, and... She comes. She comes in, in the middle of the current induc- induction ceremony, where uh, uh, Winter uh, is open. In the video, Marla shoots herself in the head, and then Winter puts his mouth on hers, and it somehow she comes. She's reanimated, and I, I kind of appreciate that uh, they don't make a big deal of the fact that. And now Winter's doing it to a guy, and he just has his whole mouth on this guy's mouth, mm-hmm. and it's just. Mm-hmm. We're doing this. Yeah. Got to bring back dudes, too. Hey. Um, so nobody makes a franchise, joke and it's 2005 at this point. Exactly. But still, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and so this guy comes back to life, and he has a gaping... Or, well, Winter pulls the knife out of his chest, uh, which appears to be the same knife that keeps popping up everywhere. And then Winter says more of the uh, high person speak. Mm-hmm. High is, you know... Smoking high. <laughs> just gotcha. Stupid Not high. of just the like, toity or hoity variety. Exactly. It's hard to tell when the the accent is British because we're trained to just assume that, oh, you're British. You're smarter than me. <laughs> then it turns out, no. Oh. no uh, but yeah, a lot more mysterious mysteries about I uh, I am the truth and the light and with the debtors are oh god I said it again yeah, the meaning speaks through me of the way of the song of the 
branding of the uh, object permanence of yeah. I don't know. I know it's bad. It's I, this is why I didn't do well in corporate. Mm, yeah, fair, I fair, can't fair. do the BS speak. Ah, oh, dude, need just, to re-energize and align. Just start with synergy and go from there. Oh. <laughs> I felt like we were always building towards synergy, synergy through an aptitude that we all must, you know, convalesce. Convalesce. Uh, I I have heard some great corporate speak in my days, mm-hmm. and I'll, usually the best were when you get a VP really going on a tear and most of the room looking around like somebody's got a dictionary and he's finally reading it. Well, no, he's just skimming the titles. That's fair. Yeah. Not the definitions. Just like that. No, 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 no. That sounds like a $5 word. One of the VPs at one of my jobs literally had on his shelf visible to everyone because he wanted to show that he had books about being a manager so that he was well-researched and educated. But one of them was executive management for dummies. Like displayed right there next to who moved my cheese and um, maybe a price guide for the industry. What's who moved my cheese? A how to get by in corporate America how-to book from like, yeah, 80s or 90s, I want to say. But yeah. uh, it, was, it was from a stretch ago, and it was a very trendy book. But And I don't know. There might be great information in the book. It, I don't know how it applies to modern. But it was it sold when I was at the bookstore, much like the South Beach Diet. And on that one, and most diet trend books, we would give the warning of, oh, so you're going to read this book, and you'd like to get into shape. Okay, that is great. Read the whole book. We are going to tell you, as responsible booksellers, if you read the first two chapters and notice results and stop, you might wind up in the hospital. Read the whole book because it's not about – but this was one of the first places um, pre-awareness of celiac that people were like, oh, you need to cut bread from your diet because in the first couple chapters, there's a whole lot of elimination and then reintroduction of diet elements in a proper and more balanced scale. And everyone just started dumping everything in the first two chapters, saw the results, and stuck with that for a couple months, and wound up in the hospital. Starvation works. I mean, yeah, but anyway, so cheese moved. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, winter starts dropping hints about the grander story and how he, when uh, Amy asks him what the box is, he calls it family heirloom, mm-hmm. which may be important later. And then uh, Amy says, it's like, I'm here to help Marla and all of them. Like, Marla didn't want to be part of this. She tr- killed herself. And it's like, oh, did she now? And uh, it's like, she looked pretty dead to me. And then we have, like, the, the closest thing we have to, like, a good explanation is, like, the more she doubts, the deader she becomes. Right. They didn't really... There, there's something going on with, like, the amount of believing that you're okay and yeah. you being okay. Like, Joey is a is a debtor, but he appears to be fine because he doesn't care. It's the cliff in a Wally Coyote cartoon. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you don't as... look down, you're fine. Yeah. Marla That's kept looking it. down. Yep. All right, all right. So, Marla... Then it starts jumping around. And I, I, I kind of lose track here, but the long and short of it is uh, Winter kills Marla 
or I'm sorry, uh, Amy, and brings her back. And then she wakes up several times in her apartment, first in a bath and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And then kind of in bed and everything's okay. And then in bed again, and she has been stabbed in the back with the same butcher knife again. Mm-hmm. And we get to what I think is the best part of the movie. Yeah. With good sequence. This is like, it is disturbing and amazing yeah. where, uh, Amy, uh, gets out of bed. She sees all the blood coming out of her and everywhere. And she realizes that she has been stabbed through the back to so much so that the knife is sticking out through the front. Well, that's the but, first thing she sees is she's trying to figure out where the blood's coming from and sees the nubbin of the knife yeah. poking out to the point it's myst- it's still a little mysterious for us. Mm. Just like, the hell? Wait, what is that? Yeah, the first and, time, like, there's a couple of overhead shots where if you know to look for it, you see that there is a knife sticking out of her right. back and everything. But yeah, it's all very jumbled and uh, you're caught off guard by everything. And she does, in fact, have this knife in that perfect spot in your upper back where you just can't get there. Yeah. If there's a scratch, no. If you need to leverage a blade jammed into your back, definitely no. No. And it is bleeding. It is actively bleeding. And we get, like, this five-minute sequence of her freaking out. But, like, legitimately. Like, just saying, this is not happening. What in the Mm -hmm. fuck? Oh, my God. She keeps tripping around. Not falling, which would have been silly and made it look stupid. But she's just kind of tripping. And possibly dangerous and then just trying to deal with the logistics of getting this thing out of herself which is great yeah um she winds up backing up to a closet and being able to have enough reach to hold the door shut (laughs) on the blade of the knife above where she's holding it so that she can pull herself forward uh it's clever it's this whole sequence outside of the movie works yeah 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 it's not even yeah it's not even contextually scary it's just it's a good sequence it's just disturbing like this could have been just like a little short film of yeah you wake up as a zombie and you're stuck with this thing yeah like what in the hell and so she cleans herself off and jury rigs like uh like uh, wedges up a paper uh, one of the the bath towels and duct tapes it to herself but I love, and so she then she tries to make her way back to the subway. But I love the entire time that she's bleeding mm-hmm. profusely out of everything. Like the towel is absorbing the blood, but there's just too much. There's blood. too much, and it's just going to keep it coming. There is no limit to how much blood she has in her because this is a weird situation. Yeah. Uh, before she leaves, she has the uh, another talk with Pinhead. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. yeah because uh, Pinhead basically gives her. Uh, that this is it's my way or the highway kind of speech. Oh, he literally says like I am your redeemer. I am the way. Which yeah. was a nice little callback to Hellraiser three. Yeah, and all during the uh, the uh, the bathroom sequence, I, I did like that. There's like Cronenberg style nudity. Where it's like, because she's wearing, she's got like a button down, she went to bed in like a button down shirt and uh, underwear. Mm. But, you know, now that she's like trying to get this whole thing out, she's just, you know, it's not like magically double sided tape shirt or anything. Right. Just, the nudity is there, but we've got bigger fish yeah. to fry. We're it's focused not, on this thing. We it's don't not care. a sexual nudity, it's a vulnerability nudity. Yeah, it's like in Eastern Promises, where it's like right. v- Vigo Mortensen is naked throughout that whole fight, and it's only making it more terrifying. Yeah. Ugh. 
Eastern promises. Um, but yeah, uh, Pinhead shows up and try and explains that Winter is fighting a war with Hell, and he's going to lose. Yeah. Which I mean. Yeah. yeah, probably. It's like, you opened the box, so you're mine. Mm-hmm. He's recruiting you for his side against me. But don't worry, I've got you because you're not escaping me. Even though neither one's a good uh, good option. No, it's more like I'm. He's he, he thinks you're the way into hell and all the magic power. But mm-hmm. really, I'm going to use you since you were the only one that was able to open the box. Yeah. Which they, they get into it a little bit more specifically later that, as it turns out, not everybody can open the box. Right. It, it, it is a, uh, you, you can only open the puzzle with the right amount of loneliness and depravity. Which, going back over the franchise, almost, doesn't check. It's almost consistent. Except for Kirsty or, um, I, what's her name? Uh, loneliness on the. Uh, Part two. Tiffany? No. Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah. T- Tiffany, I don't think, had the depravity. She had the loneliness. That loneliness. If she, well, and the, I don't know. I, I think she, because she was... We could, get, we could, I could explain all of them, like, going into, like, fan theories and stuff. Like, my own fan theories. Like, right. it would be, it, it's, she's lonely, Trinard is depraved, and she is actively acting as a vessel. But this is all just filling in the blanks of a poor script. And this gotcha, dead, yeah. Dead like, but there's, like, there's room to retcon your own belief yeah. in. Well, and, and or, I, I think it kind of becomes a barometer for the type of person that person turns out to be. Like, Kirsty opens up the box. Maybe she had some more stuff going on with her than we knew about. Yeah. Like, sort of thing. Like, um... Like, just because just cause you haven't had the opportunity to be evil doesn't mean it's not there. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because, like, I mean, uh, let's see, what, number three? Nobody really opens the box in them. Well, well, the guy at the beginning in the ER opens the box, yeah. but that's it. Everybody else, like, Pinhead's just out because the rules don't apply. Right. Uh, in number three... Which, I mean, it is a plot point that the rules aren't working. Right. Which, we, we give that a pass. But, uh, uh, number four, you do get, like, that businessman dude that Valentina gets. Yeah. At the be- or Angelique. God, I keep... The actress was Valentina, but the, the character was Angelique. Uh, that guy looked depraved and... and oh, and, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that was... He would probably be the poster child for this, this pinhead statement. Yeah, yeah. So, I... I it's it kind of works for me, uh, but it's I kinda, I, but you I do the like feel that Doug probably scan the lines like yeah. oh, I guess that checks. Yeah, it works. And Gary Tunnicliffe, who yeah. is the Hellraiser expert mm-hmm. on set most of the time, probably went with it. It it's fine. But yeah, no, it could definitely be like it's more a question of like holy shit, the kid that was the chatterer, really, Jesus. Yeah, remember because in Hellraiser two, it's revealed yeah. to be a little boy, and he's like, but oh, could have been a Patrick Hoxtetter situation. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that kid he, was he's, evil. He's fucking Scott Farkas. Yeah, <laughs> but so uh, Amy makes it makes her way back to the midnight meat train, and Joey um, gives her more nonsense. But then everybody appears to be dead. <laughs> on the way to the train. Oh yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah, another yeah. good sequence. Like well, another like one of the better sequences. She is still bleeding. She's got to get just through the train station to the to the midnight the train. Yeah. Uh, but she, it's a brightly lit at night, 
subway stop, white tiles, footprints and blood, footprints and blood, puddles of blood. When she takes the moment to look back or around <laughs> to figure out what to do, if she stops long enough, puddle of blood. Because there are several puddles where you can see where she stopped. Yeah, it's bad. And so she like grabs a newspaper, throws it on the ground, then grabs another one. It's like trying to cover up all of her. Giant pools of blood with newspapers. It's the worst because version. Because a cop is coming along. Yeah, it's the worst version of the cat in the hat. Yeah. It just can't get rid of this pink. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's not... Well, it's We've fun. just described the sequence, but just the way that, like... No, it, the physicality of how they play it out is fun. Yeah, because, like, first she grabs one newspaper and covers up of the pool. But then she's... It's... She's still... She never stops bleeding. Mm-hmm. And so she grabs another and another. And she grabs a couple to try to cover up... The uh, the the footprints and the other pool puddle of blood and then like the the cop is almost on her and like it looks even create more attention getting that there's all these newspaper on the ground and so then she just finally knocks the whole stand over and by the time that the cop is there he's looking at her and she's like I'm trying to clean it up because yeah. I'm stupid like he looks specifically because of the crash I think and it's yeah. like it's like whoops I had yeah, this just happened yeah dumb the look and she gets away with it and it's another it, it was like the uh, the apartment investigation <laughs> where they let like the blocking is good and they let Kari were sell the thing without right. like you never see her like damn it Amy what are you going to do like like yeah. this kind of thing we just let the plot happen which is contrasted with Bucharest Romania right <laughs> There's, this movie goes back and forth on whether it trusts us or not yeah yeah it's a bummer yeah. but back in the midnight meat train uh Joey is intrigued that Amy's part of the gang and tries to again impart the whole like the wily e. coyote ness of their situation, mm-hmm. and then everyone appears to be dead. Yeah, and because like it has been. Yeah, it's like we're kind of going in and out of Amy hallucinating, which mm-hmm. I kind of like how it's not a gigantic plot point. And or they don't explain it that well, but it's one of those. She opened the box. You're not going to, even if you're not pulled immediately down to hell, you're going to, the hell, the pen, mm-hmm. pen had and everybody's fucking. The movie's fucking over the moment you open the box. Yeah. And things are just going to be weird and you can't trust anything. Right. I think that's actually one of the problems that the franchise ultimately hits is the easy assumption of the moment you open the box. Okay. Well, you're fucked. I mean, it's just a matter of how. Yeah. But like we know where we're going exactly, yeah. and uh, it's the uh, the makeup and all just the dead bodies and the viscera in the Midnight Meat Train were really really good. Yeah, which we did notice at the beginning. This is a Stan Winston production, which yeah. was weird that that doesn't really come up yeah. in any of the info about this that much. It's like, well, the Stan Winston people are on this. Well, that's why this movie looks good, or why the makeup at least looks great. Throughout yeah, all it was at least being looked at mm-hmm. thoroughly. But like Stan Winston himself did not do the makeup. I, I would assume not. It I, I think like it was a financial. Yeah, it was. It seemed like a fine, you know. But still, whatever. Yeah. Well, no. Again, it's it's still Gary Dunnicliffe leading most of the makeup, and he is pretty good. Like he's gotten really good at this. Yeah. Like over the movies, like he's he had been working on them since at least number four. Possibly number three, but definitely by four yeah. he was on there and is the consistent guy on them 
through uh, Hellraiser Judgment, I believe. Okay. I don't. I forget if he. We'll find out if he worked on Revelations, but he's the, he direct, he co he he wrote and directed and stars in Judgment, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Well, we'll get that. We'll get that. Yeah. Um, but uh, after Amy gets out of the subway, she runs into Marla, who is still looking worse for wear, but explains further that it's like okay. You're the only one that was was able to open the box, and Winter needed somebody who could open the box to get in there. But we still need, but you need to be like to become. You have to become like a full fledged debtor so that Winter can use you. I keep wanting to call him Paul. That's yeah. why I keep stumbling because Winter is a stupid name. Um, and uh, so she has to face her fears, and we had been seeing these flashbacks throughout the whole movie. Of, a, of like uh, she flashing back to herself as a little girl and being impliedly being abused by her father. Right. And we actually, between the Marla ex- explanations, mm-hmm. there's a sequence where uh, Amy wakes up in the hospital. Oh, chains- it, it, yeah. It, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, she's chained to the bed. Uh, her newspaper guy is there, says, let's get the chains off of her unless you're into it. Kinky, kinky. I'm still your boss. Um, yeah. Uh, so she wanders out of the common area and sees a little girl that I think we were trying to place whether it was the flashback yeah, or not. I, it, I don't think it is actually, no, but, it, but, but she did have pigtails. And so it's yeah, kind of so like through, evocative. Like, yeah. You have established, if nothing else about this character, pigtails and cigarettes. Pigtails and cigarettes. That yeah. was the, Which, uh, the working or the working title of that, uh. Rufus Wainwright saw. Gotcha. I thought it was also the original name of Suicide Girls, but... Ah. <laughs> um, so, she goes over to the little girl, and the little girl is drawing frantically, but won't let her look until the very end, where she's done a sketch that's... It's a weird hybrid of... Like, one side of her face is Amy, the other side of her face is kind of a Bill Sienkiewicz version of Two-Face. A little bit. Um, but, like, more the purple Two-Face than, like, the Dark Knight right? the Dark Knight Two-Face. Which is, he's more, like, burnt and crusty, whereas yeah. this is more, like... Well, I, I, I read it as, like... colored. I read it as, just like, skinned. Okay, gotcha. Like, half of the face yeah. is skinned and or, like, kind of being turned into a Cenobite because there's, like, little brackets and stuff on it. Right. Gotcha. But, but with, like, a, just a little hint because it was a child, even though it was much more professional than a child could do. Yeah. Um, for some reason, it reminded me of Stewie Gluck's drawing of Ricky Coogan for the Weekly World News. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so, little girl shows her the picture. She's got this half face and then she goes and gets more rules for Marla. Yeah, because at which point, well, yeah, the well, stuff. Yeah, then she like it's finally you have to face what it was, and we see in the the longest flashback to date that uh, uh of the movie. I mean, uh, that at some point she hid in the closet. She had been hiding in the closet to get away from him, and then finally she brought the that butcher knife that we keep seeing, and she stabbed her father in the stomach. Yep. Or the chest, or the, the midsection. Yeah. And kill, presumably, or no, did kill him. Did kill him because, yes. as, yeah, Pinhead basically says later, your father, not much later, yeah. your father is waiting here for you, mm-hmm. uh, which is not an enticing invite. No, no. Unless it's like, your father's waiting here for you to be tortured more. Right. But, but usually, no. hell doesn't work in your favor. No. 
But why his? You know? What the, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, well, it's like... It, Maybe it, it's but, both of their hell, and they just have to get through um, a meeting with a third party where they both have to play nice the entire time, Pinhead and that's the their hell. Pin, Pinhead the mediator. Yeah. I love it. Like, yeah. Pinhead is like the teacher to a uh, PTA meeting or whatever, or mm-hmm. yeah, just a general, your kid's screwing up. Yeah, and that's yeah, and they all have to play nice. Could be that could be a whole Hellraiser into itself. That could be a whole Hellraiser into itself. But either way, having confronted her past, she wakes up again, back in the cult area where uh, Winter says it's like it's time to finish the ritual, and like you have to become a debtor, and then I'll have power over the box because you open the box, and if a debtor opens the box, well, something's going to happen, and who fucking knows what? Yeah. Because the, the plot yeah. of this movie doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. So to become a debtor, she has to stab herself with this knife. Yes. But she says, no, ha-ha. And then have Pinhead shows up and explains mm. the family. Or no, he explains the family line yeah. himself that he can't. Right. She, my knee's got a little thin. So she looks like she's going to stab herself, but then she pushes the, the stabs the, the table, table, picks up the Hellraiser box, throws the box, and then, then then Pinhead and uh, two more Cenobites show up. Yeah. One of them is chattering because, you know, Pinhead likes his chatter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pinhead explains that Winter is actually. Just uh, direct descendant of Le Marchand. They're not by name. He says, you come yeah. from a long line of toy makers. Yes. So I don't know if there was some legal right on using the name or yeah, they just I didn't did. feel like it or it was yeah, I bet, that yeah. quick a rewrite. They didn't. I bet, the internet wasn't it. No, it was 2005. The internet was there. I bet you they didn't want to spend the extra two minutes explaining who Le Marchand was. Fair. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Winter keeps trying to argue that the box is his and the power is his, and Pinhead says, "Bitch, please." And an array does not snap. You do not have the power. <laughs> and then an array of chains comes out, and we get a. It, it, I kind of like the idea that they were like, "We want to homage the first movie, like the big moment where Frank uh, gets ripped apart finally at the end." And it's like, yeah, but you know. <laughs> Let's do it again, but, like, bigger and with, you know, better special effects. We have more money. We have better technology this low, almost 20 years later. Yeah. And uh, it is gruesome. It's, yeah. I really, I was impressed with how bad this looked. Because it's not just that the chains are coming out. They're just, they're grabbing random parts that you wouldn't, you don't expect. And so he's just getting pulled Mm -hmm. in different directions. And it's, ugh. And he's screaming I'm, like a, ba- a baby the whole time because, well, what else are you going to do? And, like, early on, like, the, I mean, the chains come out and just kind of, like, you know, they seemed very precise and targeted. Mm-hmm. I had this mental image of a dwarf Cenobite doing fishing with dwarf and, like, <laughs> trying to whip the chains over at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. We almost got her there. Oh, we got the cheek. That's good enough for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want the dwarf Cenobites so bad now. Oh. Uh, Tim Conway, why did you die? Did he? I could have sworn he died. I don't think he did. All right, you tell the next okay. part. I'm going to look into that because I thought he So, uh, 
Winter gets ripped into a million zillion pieces, and I, honest to God, just shouted, Hellraiser! At the screen, because it had just felt like it'd been a while since, because, like, with budgetary concerns and trying to tell, or, like, with Inferno trying to tell a slightly more adult story, we got away from the, Hellraiser! You know, the yeah. core, the spectacle, the grand we know. And then, uh... Pinhead looks at the uh, the cult members and says, "You're just all idiots," and just like gow like uh, impales them like because yeah, the, they're all standing in a in a nice neat line mm-hmm. and so it's like boop. Yeah, it's he sends a chain up one one row, then chain up the other row, just straight through the middle of all of them. They have holes in um, their in their stomachs. It's which, great. Okay, my my note was uh, pandemonium. Uh, horror movie from 80, 81. Okay. And it opens with the cheerleader killer um, grabbing the javelin out of the supply closet and throwing it. Then you watch the javelin fly down the hallway and around corners and back and forth <laughs> until it finally makes it way its way out onto the field where all of the cheerleaders had just finished practicing their uh, ode to nutrition. Yeah. And so they were all dressed as different fruits and vegetables. And so they get shish kebobbed. Nice. And the medical team is carrying them off as the shishka. Oh. Yeah. But, like, the, but getting yeah, them man. all straight in a row. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Also, you should watch that movie because... Is that the one that you show? You guys showed with student bodies? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I've seen part of it at least. Okay, gotcha. For those of you part. at home, a lot of the Groundlings, uh, the movie features Carol Kane, it features Judge Reinhold, mm-hmm. Mark McClure, Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, Tommy Smothers, um, Eileen Brennan, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Tab yeah, Hunter... Yeah. Uh, great cast, and yeah. it is super silly. So don't, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it's, the, it's, the parts that were good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Phil Hartman, I think it's it. You uh, said Phil Hartman. Hart, yeah, Ben yeah, Hart. You said Phil. Like um, one scene, but. Yeah, yeah. it's Phil Hartman. So exactly. It's uh, probably one of the better scenes of the film. No offense to everybody else, it's just Phil Hartman. Um, Although, with a movie that stars Carol Kane as a lead, it's it's hard to steal scenes from Carol Kane. That, this is true. This is true. Uh, so Pinhead, having finished all the old business, uh, Pinhead looks to Amy and is like, it's time to come home because you're mine. And, uh, Marla gives her, gives Amy one last piece of advice, which somehow if you kill yourself before Pinhead takes you, you're out of the rotation. I don't know, but I know that she chooses the method to kill herself that she literally two minutes ago said, I'm not doing. Yes. So, like, by waiting two minutes, it's now the right choice. Well, winter is gone now, so maybe that broke the whole debtor ritual thing. But all of our characters that could have explained any of this are now dead. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. Uh... So she ends up impaling herself and dying, and Pinhead and the Cenobites go back home. And uh, we learn through a video of Romanian news footage that Charles is watching mm. in, Engl- in England. Uh, yeah. that the he's whole- watching Romanian news footage that's being broadcast in English. No, he said, or, well, it was in English. No, but yeah. it's it's a Romanian yeah. newscaster with a very thick Romanian accent speaking yeah, in right. English yeah. on Romanian and or British television. Oh, okay. No, no, no. He does say it's a tape. 
Right. But but, but but you're right. Why would it still why would it be in English yeah. at all? Because it's a Romanian because, broadcast. I mean, I guess it's all that American money flying around. It's all that American money flying around. And Charles is introduced to a new intrepid female reporter and starts being creeping on her mm-hmm. and uh, the movie ends. I liked this so much better than I remembered liking it. Like, I remember this, like, I, I like, don't get me wrong. I hate Hellseeker, but I also remember hating or didn't other disliking this one equally other than the knife sequence, which was still one of the, like that has haunted me for 15 years yeah. from the last time I saw it. I think there were some, some solid gags and sequences overall as a movie. Meh. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was like, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. The resale value for me is medium because it definitely reeks of this wasn't intended to be a Hellraiser and mm-hmm. it's it works better than one would think it would work. Yeah. I'm but su- it's still odd. I'm surprised that the Hellraiser bits worked as well as they did, <laughs> considering I'm kind of curious what the movie would have been without trying to shoehorn them in. Would either side of it have benefited from being more consistent with its own mythology? Well, it uh, like from the little I saw that, that I read, uh, it was basically everything was the same, but... Uh, Winter was in touch and or had some sort of deal with just a new or non-specific demon. And so then they reworked it to be Hellraiser demons was where the power was coming from. I still don't even understand how he's doing any of the things that he's doing, let alone utilizing the box to do it. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense. If the, if the thrust of your movie is the mystery behind what's going on, you should actually understand how it works. Yeah. There should be a mystery of what's going on to reveal. Oh yeah. And that actually segues nicely because hell world is that like you're, we're going to watch hell world. And I, I I recommend everybody. It's on HBO Max if you've got it. Watch it as quickly as you can before we talk about it because the, the, my experience of Hellworld the first time, and this was like in the same Sci-Fi Channel marathon that I saw for uh, that that ran like four or five, uh, no five, six, seven, and eight all in a row. And so that's what I, I watched just with my Sunday instead of you know studying for law school, and uh, Hellraiser eight present will present like a slasher movie like i was watching it and i'm like wow this is why this is the last one they ever made because they completely abandoned everything but the movie actually knows what it's doing and it's brilliant okay this is one again um i've got some very fuzzy memories of the franchise from this forward yeah. But, oh, and also uh, fans hate this movie. Like everybody seems to hate. I seem to. I once again, I appear to be the only person that likes a movie. <laughs> I know that, like for the Hellraisers right now, it seems like five is the one that got the most bounce back of initially being hard rejected. Yeah, but people usually have grown see, like to understand five is a fun movie. Five's, five has five's got a lot good. going on. Five is good. Um, I wouldn't call it like there's the full on. Halloween 3 Redemption, where mm. people have completely turned, where it's the minority of people that don't like 3. Yes. Um, Elm Street 2, a lot of people are turning around on mm-hmm. because, just in general context, but yeah. I still think that it's a bad production. 
It's a bad production, but it's fascinating. It's fascinating. There's a lot of interesting ideas at play. I just think it looks so cheap. It the really movie does, but conversely, it is my all-time favorite makeup for Freddy. I think he, okay. I think there's he some looks, gr- there's he some great so effects disgusting and terrible. That's the thing. There's some great makeup effects that mm-hmm. I just wish would have been shot better. Oh yeah, you can't see anything. Like when he's pulling the skin off of his scalp, no, totally you can't lost. see shit. Yeah, because Jack Shoulder's not not a great director. Yeah, <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, I feel like I don't know. Um, Tokyo Texas. Drift. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Tokyo Drift, absolutely. Yeah. People have turned around on. Uh, Chainsaw 4. Yeah. Next Generation. Yeah. People are starting to like that. Like, I still, I, I never yeah. really watched it because I heard yeah. it was just so impossible. That's like, the thing. Poorly it, bad. it was universally panned by so many people. And now I know a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorites. It, it is. And, but that said, it's still one of the worst things ever made. Yeah, but we're not talking like Jaws 4 bad. No, no, we're not. Jaws 4, not, not, nobody's coming back around on Jaws 4. No, that hasn't happened. But it's weird to like look at a lot of these franchises so much later and see. like, And so that's why I'm curious mm-hmm. about Part 8 next week. Yeah. Because of how many of these are just salvaged by a little bit of time and a little bit of patience. Yeah, yeah. I, I would advise patience. Mm-hmm. And also to sugar the pill. Henry Cavill is in this movie. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Henry Cavill and Kari Payton are in this movie. He is uh, Ezekiel on The Walking Dead. But for our purposes, he is the voice of Cyborg from Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. The only valid Cyborg in in anything. And so uh, it's Superman and Cyborg versus Cenobites. Also, Lance Henriksen's in the movie. We got to stop talking about it because we got to save something for next week. It's going to be good. Okay, everybody, get out. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com. 